0: The following is paid programming brought to you by WT Wealth Management. Nothing we discuss should be considered as investment advice. This conversation is for informational purposes only. Please do your own research and speak to an investment advisor or financial planner before making any investment decisions. Welcome to Intelligent Investing with Glenn Least. I'm your host, Jeff Orvitz. And this week is the third of a now four-part series on investing 101. We've got so much to go over here. Glenn Leist is a senior investment advisor with WT Wealth Management, and you can learn more about Glenn by going to wtwealthmanagement.com or by calling anytime, 928-225-2474. That's 928-225-2474. And uh, Glenn, welcome back. We decided to expand this. If it was a two-part series, we got got four. Lots of cover. Yeah, so we're in the third of... uh, a four-part series now and Investing 101. And what what Glenn wanted to get into this week was risk versus reward when it comes to investing. So I I guess, how does the risk versus return trade-off usually work? Talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah. So that's one of the most important fundamental parts of investing is what is the risk that we're taking and what is our expected reward from the risk we're taking? Because um, for example, if you're taking more risk, um, you would expect to have a better return on your money. If you're taking less risk, usually you have less of a return. So that pretty much dictates everything that we look at is is that equation there. Because a good example of how it wouldn't work is if you had... You're taking a ton of risk, but there was no return potential. No one would do it. They, mm-hmm. It wouldn't make any sense. Um, and so obviously, if there is an instrument that had very little risk, but great return potential, you'd be, you know, you would be looking to get as much of that as you can. So when it comes to investing, that is a very important um, process that we have to walk through is uh, how much risk are we willing to take in exchange for what kind of expected returns. Now I say expected because um, it doesn't always pan out, but that is the initial expectation when you get into a more riskier investment is you're hoping for a better return. It may not always work out, but that's the whole reason why you start in the beginning. So um, yeah, so risk versus the return is, is pretty important. And I think that's something that a lot of people are not as honest with themselves as they probably should be, is everyone loves, you know, when they have great returns, but they don't realize sometimes they have to take a a little bit of risk to get there. And so, yeah, everyone wants the upside. But part of the the other side of the coin is, you know, sometimes there's a little bit of downside to it as well, which we're seeing in in the 2022 market. If you're heavy into stocks, you loved stocks in the 2021 year because they performed quite well. And this year, you're, you know, probably not as much, unless you really understand the risk versus reward, um, you know that equation. And, and so, part of what we do is really help walk clients through that process and make sure they really understand it.
0: Well, Glenn, how do you how do you do that? How do you walk the clients through it, finding out sure, you know what's the appropriate amount of risk for, for the individual? Because we we always talk about, hey, everybody's different. Yep, yep, and that's our big advice. I mean, anything we talk about, it's like, well, your situation may sure, be different. Sure. Run us through that.
1: Yeah, so there's a couple different ways of going about doing that. Um, we do have some. Risk assessment software that people can take, like a a quiz. In fact, we even have it on our, our main webpage. It's called Riskalyze. They can take a risk quiz, and it helps them understand upside and downside potential within you know ninety five percent probability. So, depending on what type of investments we put into this, you know, mathematical calculator, it can you know determine you know here's our range of possibilities. So, I kind of like to do that in a little less formal of a way with clients. I say, hey. With this particular investment, here is our best case scenario. Here's our worst case scenario. And we just have to know, you know, what that might look like. And if we're okay with that, then this could be a good investment. If you said, you know, hey, I would love to have a 20% upside, but if I had a 10% downside in, in any given year, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't sleep. I, I'd have to get out. I couldn't do it. Then, you know, maybe that particular investment route isn't the right way to go. But we have to always consider that, you know, just as much on the upside that an investment has, it probably also probably has equally on the downside, you know, for that, you know, any given month or year. But over the long haul, depending on the investment, you know, we're, we're hoping that obviously there's a lot more upside than there is downside. Cause otherwise, if you knew it was nothing but downside, you wouldn't, you know, do anything with that investment. But yeah, that is part of how I walk clients through that is just helping them just mentally, you know, walk through that, you know, what, you know, could a good year look like? What could a bad year look like? And then what is multiple years most likely going to to look like? Because uh, if we take any one given year, any given year out of, you know, just by itself, then, you know, that's not necessarily a fair picture because we're long-term investors and we really need to look at the long haul for, for investing.
0: Well, speaking of uh, long-term investing, we're talking with Glenn Lease, by the way, of WT Wealth Management, and you can learn more by calling anytime at 928-225-2474. We've talked about time horizons Mm -hmm. uh, and how does that, I guess, factor into risk when, when you're, when you're, dealing with long-term, especially. Yeah,
1: it's a very important part of that conversation. So as I'm walking through clients uh, and talking through what the right amount of risk is, one of the most important questions you know I need to know is, well, what is our time horizon for this particular bucket of money or this investment uh, goal that we have? So if you said... I've got this, this money and I'd really like to do well with it and grow it. And I said, Hey, well, okay, well, how much time do we have? And you said, Well, you know, I'm closing on a house in three weeks. You know, I can give you this money, but I really need it back within two or three weeks. Well, you know, that may not be inappropriate to do anything except keep it in the bank, you know, especially if we have such a t- short time horizon of like less than a month. But if you said, Hey, I've got six months to a year. Okay. Well, maybe we can look at some low, you know, low risk investments that might give us a little bit of a return um you know in exchange for low low uh low risk um but if you said I've got 5 years or 10 years you know maybe I'm saving for retirement or saving for down the road then that allows us to be you know a lot more aggressive with our our uh, investments so you know we always talk about stocks um stocks are usually positive you know almost about 4 out of every 5 years so um But any one out of those five years, we have to pretty much, you know, we know that it's going to be a down or negative year. So if someone tells me I've got 10 years, you know, to invest this money, well, you know, my mind thinks of, well, we've got some time to factor in even those really bad years into the equation. We can ride out, you know, the the ups and the downs of the market. And if we have enough time, you know, we can take more risk. Um, And so that's usually how it works is the more time that you have, generally, the more risk you can take. But. Um, just because you can take risk doesn't necessarily mean that's what the individual is comfortable, which is probably the, the next part of the equation, which is you know people's comfort level with investing. So their ability to take risk is very different from their willingness to take risk. Well,
0: well yeah, if you if you look at it and when you say you do that. Initial discussion on uh, what do you want your in return to be, Glenn? So let's say it's 20%, and people are probably like, Yeah, but when you ask them, Well, are you okay with a 10% loss or 20% yeah. loss? Most yeah. people probably say, No. Exactly. Do they go hand in hand? Oh, yeah,
1: 100%. You can't have, I mean, a guaranteed risk free, you know, great returns. You know, if, if people know where those are, I want to know where they are too. You know, clients uh, sometimes ask, Well, where can I get an 8% guaranteed return? And I go, well, I'm not sure that exists, but if you find it, let me know. <laughs> (laughs) I'm interested in it because that's just, you know, in today's environment, I'm not aware of anything like that, that exists without some sort of trade off somewhere. I mean, even if we talk about real estate, everyone looks at real estate and, and thinks it's very safe, quote unquote, but even real estate has risk to it. But Real estate is kind of interesting because it's not priced every second of every day. So we perceive it as less risky, even though 2008 showed us that, you know, real estate can be just as risky as any other investment class. So yeah, w- when we have that conversation, if you want the upside, you have to be willing to take some temporary downside. Now, it doesn't mean it's permanent downside, but just temporary downside. Um, yeah, cause everyone wants the upside, but you know, I think most of us are not as, uh, Honest with ourselves about the downside.
0: How does our willingness to accept risk factor into the the time horizons?
1: Yeah, yeah. So we talked about your ability, which is you you, you know your age, your income, you know your time horizon, and then willingness is really just how you feel about investing. So that I'll ask people that as well. Um, you know, maybe we have someone who is you know, 45 years old and, you know, has 20 years to invest the money, but just had a bad experience with investing or, you know, is really nervous about ever seeing their account be down. And I've run across that scenario before where I worked with some, you know, some people that were relatively young and they were, so they're really aggressive and they wanted their accounts to grow. But then when we had a down year, you know, they were panicking. They're like, oh, I don't ever want my account to ever be down, not even for a day. And I'm going, well, that's not fair because they weren't necessarily honest with me about their willingness to take risk. So yeah, they had the ability, but it just totally kept them up at night. They wanted some sort of guaranteed will never go down. So they ended up having to, you know, do something different with their investments that I think, frankly, probably wasn't the best bet for them. But you know, something that I have to do as an advisor is get to know the individual because at the end of the day, my 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 sole focus is to help them be successful. Um, e- even if you know maybe sometimes they're you know not as willing to take risk. I have to kind of factor that in and make sure we have a game plan that fits with them
0: let's uh let's hit on risk levels for stocks bonds real estate cryptocurrency cds and and more uh when we come back Uh, i'm talking with glenn lease you're listening to intelligent investing part three of the four-part series on investing 101 and you can learn more about glenn by going to wtwealthmanagement.com or by calling 928-225-2474 that's 928-225-2474 listening to intelligent investing with Glenn Least and you can learn more about Glenn and give, give him a call at 928-225-2474 that's 928-225-2474 or you can go to wtwealthmanagement.com and you may want to discuss with Glenn what we're about to talk about uh, and we're in our part three of our four-part series on investing 101. Um, talking about the risk levels here, Glenn, for stocks, bonds, real estate, cryptocurrency, CDs. Um, and MMs, what's MMs? Money markets. Money markets, I thought so. Okay, uh, let's start off with uh, stocks to begin with here.
1: Sure. So, you know, when we talk about risk level of stocks, it, it all goes back to what kind of company we're investing in. Um, because there's lots of different uh, flavors of stocks, if you will. There's large company stocks, which they call those large cap. Uh, there's mid sized companies, which they call them mid cap. And then there's smaller companies, which you know, they call them small cap. Um, and, and the thought process is, is the smaller the company is, the more risk inherently there is of the company not making it. And the larger the company is, the less risk there is. And so, um, that's kind of the size factor. And, and so the larger you get, the less risk there should be of the company going out. But then there's also geographic, uh, you know, classifications of stocks as well. So, U.S. stocks, you know, those, they call those domestic stocks. And then there's international stocks. Those are going to be like, you know, international based companies. And those can be big, small, you know, medium as well. Um, and there's even emerging markets. Those are going to be countries that are, you know, still growing their economies. And so the idea is, it's the same kind of idea. The, the, the more risky or more developing the, uh, the type of stock, you know, the more, uh, you know, per return potential we may see, but also the more fluctuations we may see. So, US stocks um, compared to emerging market stocks, um, usually emerging markets have a little bit more risk to them, but it also decides, you know, det- depends, is it a, a large emerging company? Is it a small? Is it medium sized? So, that's kind of how we look at it. However, one caveat I'll give is just because a company is large doesn't mean they can't have fluctuations, you know, quite large fluctuations. And we've seen that with some of the largest names in our world today, you know, you take Facebook or or Netflix for example, those are some very large names and they saw some significant drawdowns. So, just because they're large doesn't mean they yeah. don't won't have fluctuations, but the expectation is that they'll probably have less on average than say a small company. So, that's kind of how it works with risk for stocks. What about um, on
0: on the bond side because mm-hmm. we've talked about this yep. a lot there's the perception always oh, that bonds that's like your safety Sure. Nest egg type thing. But yeah, uh, talk about that. And and traditionally,
1: bonds and or fixed income, those are synonymous. It's really just a fancy name of saying loans. Um, A lot of times the loans or bonds are... Um, contractually uh, set up, or their asset-backed loans. Meaning, if you loan money to a, um, say, a company, a lot of times, um, depending on the size of the company, also depends on how much you get paid for that loan. You know, uh, and then also the length of time also depends on how uh, much you get uh, paid on the for the interest for that loan. So, let's give an example. If you said, "Hey, uh, Glenn, can I borrow, you know, fifty bucks?" I'd say, "Okay, well, when are you going to pay?" it? pay me back, you'd say, well, I just got to run out to my car and it'll be like five minutes, you know, and then I'll pay you the 50 bucks back because I got 50 bucks in my car, but I just need it right now to pay for this thing at the store. So I'd say, well, you know, I'm not gonna charge you that much. You know, there's a pretty good chance you're paying me back. But if you said, I want to you know, borrow $50, but you said, I'm not going to pay you back for 50 years. Well, I don't know where you're going to be in 50 (laughs) years. So I'm going to inherently have to charge more interest. So, you know, the, the bond side of things, you know, there's the, The risk of the you know the place that you're loaning money to, and the length of time that factor into it, and then also the current interest rate environment. So the the bonds are heavily influenced by the current interest rates, and so those are determined by the Federal Reserve. And so this in 2022 year, they are on a uh, interest rate increasing uh, campaign, meaning they're trying to increase uh, interest rates so that way it's supposed to cool off inflation. But that does have an effect on bonds. So traditionally, you know, with bonds, um, you think of relative safety because they're contractually guaranteed or they're asset backed. Um, but they can have some volatility, which we're kind of in an interesting market where you know stocks have been down and bonds have been down simultaneously. And that's kind of a uh, an interesting phenomenon because usually it's the opposite. You know, stocks are up, you know, bonds are down or flat. But if stocks are down, bonds are usually flat or up where we're in this interesting environment where both stocks and bonds are down simultaneously. And, and, yeah. So, you know, some people are actually looking at their bond allocations and saying, wow, these actually have a little bit more risk than I perceived, um, you know, or as is, is normally involved with bonds. So, you know, bond, the, the risk profile with bonds have definitely changed. And, and and part of that has, you know, been because of the Federal Reserve's influence on interest rates for sure.
0: Okay, another one as far as risk levels, you've already mentioned it today. is uh, real estate, uh, and there's always that perception that it just it stays very stable. But I mean, it's been rising for quite a while now. And yeah. uh, talk about the risk uh, assessment, kind of on that. Sure, or so, risk levels.
1: Yeah, so it really depends on what kind of real estate you have. So mm-hmm. there's com- there's residential real estate, which is like you know residential homes like you and I live in. There's commercial real estate, which is going to be like office locations. There's industrial real estate which is you know maybe you're you've got a large uh, warehouse that you're renting out to a, you know, manufacturing company. Um, and then there's geographical regions. Some areas of the world, um, tend to do better in real estate and some, you know, have very challenging environments. So if we look at, you know, a place like Las Vegas in, in 2008, they got hit, uh, tremendously hard in the real estate market because they were such an entertainment focused, uh, city, um, where when, you know, the, you know, the, the recession hit, you know, a lot of people were not going to the Vegas you know strip to go you know to casinos go for the entertainment go for the shows and so all the surrounding real estate really suffered so um, you know it really depends with real estate what you know what type of real estate you're looking at and then the the geographic area so even if we look at commercial real estate um, you know we're in this interesting environment we where 2022 in 2021 the work from home movement has caused some commercial uh, real estate to go down and then residential has continued to just you know appreciate tremendously. So uh, real estate, it's not without its risk, you know, it really depends on what you're looking at. But, you know, they've actually done studies where they look at real estate compared to stocks, and the risk levels are almost identical, you know, so they're very similar. But since real estate's not priced every day, the only time we really know what our home is worth is when we sell Sell it it and the the buyer buyer actually pays us. Other than that, it's just a best guess. Whereas stocks, they're priced every second of every day. You can look at your phone and watch Apple stock just move all throughout the day. You really can't do that accurately with our home. But I think if we could, we'd realize that, you know, our, our home prices, you know, move quite a bit throughout the year. Um, and, and you know, like I said, they just have probably more movement than we probably know, but we just, we can't perceive it. So um,
0: yeah, so real estate still does have some risk to it. And then cryptocurrency, which seems to have the most wild swings.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So cryptocurrency is, again, is going to be very similar to like stocks. It depends on what, uh, cryptocurrency you're looking at? Are you looking at a really stable cryptocurrency that's large, like the equivalent of like an Amazon or an Apple, you know, you know, that would be like, maybe like a Bitcoin or Ethereum. Those are kind of like your larger, more stable, uh, you know, cryptocurrencies, or are you looking at, you know, some small startup, you know, cryptocurrency, and maybe that has a little bit more wild swing. So cryptocurrencies in it of themselves, um, definitely have a higher risk profile than, than stocks, but it, I think it also depends on which cryptocurrency you're looking at. Um, even if the government comes out with their own or they're talking about doing like a fed coin you know that you know is probably going to be a fairly stable you know cryptocurrency because it's going to be linked to the US dollar so it really depends on what you're looking at for cryptos but yeah some of them can be fairly high risk for sure
0: and then um, kind of the most stable but you, uh, you you won't make any interest I guess is your CDs and yeah. your your money mms money markets
1: yeah 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 so uh, you know c- certificates of deposit those are contractually guaranteed by the bank so as long as you hold it through maturity. So, say it's a six month uh, CD. They will guarantee your principal plus whatever interest that you've agreed to at that time. Um, and, and and yeah, they, they're relatively safe. Um, but you know, with the risk reward profile, like we talk about, the less risk you are willing to take, the less return you are going to get. So, CDs and money markets um, usually have very low return potential, but their risk is, is is very low. I mean, almost almost zero, but not quite.
0: Okay. Let's um continue this next week. And if anyone has questions for you, they can give you a call anytime, right? Yep. 928-225-2474. Uh, next week, let's do part four of the four-part series here on Investing 101. Let's get into fees, investment styles, and the fiduciary standard. Yeah, let's do it. All right. And folks, remember, you can call Glenn Least anytime at 928 225 2474. That's 928-225-2474, or go to WT Wealth Management.